Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Mimiverse Monthly Audiocast. I am your host, writer-director Christopher R. Mim, and I have to ask, are you there? Are you listening? Happy New Year, everyone. It's 2021. 2020 is finally behind us, but it's arbitrary, ultimately. Who knows what the hell's going to happen next? I don't know. But last year sucked. Let's be honest. Like, really, really sucked. Lots of bad things happened. Lots of people got sick. Lots of cool places went out of business. We lost dear friends. Yeah, just lots of bad stuff. And it uh, will definitely go down in history as one of the worst damn years in the United States and across the world. So let's all celebrate that it's gone. In 2021, maybe it's looking a little up. Maybe things will get better. Maybe. Just maybe. We'll see. Now, I started last year's New Year's January episode saying about how I was going to be super positive and optimistic. And then look what happened. So I'm not going to do that this year. Let's be on the level about things, shall we? Stuff's going to suck. There's still going to be a lot of crap going forward. Lord knows when this pandemic is actually going to end and we'll get back to some semblance of normalcy. And then once we do, you know, what will be normal then? How long are we going to be wearing masks? I hope you wear a mask, because it helps keep COVID from spreading. So, wear a mask. It's not that hard. They're not taking over your brain, and if you believe that, seriously, find some other media. But, you know, it just we'll see what happens. And again, like I said, once we're out of this, what's it going to look like? How many movie theaters are going to be left? How many people are even going to want to go to the movies for the next five years in a theater? I mean, I'm excited to get back to seeing movies in theaters, but at the same time, not at the risk of my own health or the health of my family. It's not worth that. I can watch movies at home, which I hate even saying because I hate the fact that people are usually just like, where can I stream your movies? And then when I tell them, they're like, eh, it's, it's too hard. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to remain my normal pessimistic self. I think perhaps all of this is my fault because I simply didn't just accept that I am a pessimistic person. And that's okay because the world needs both optimists and pessimists, right? You need balance. And I balance out one end of the spectrum. I look at everything like the world sucks and is going to hell. And the other people who think, no, it's great, everything will be good. And then somewhere in the middle we meet. And that's how it works. Pick a side, and then eventually we find we find compromise in the middle. And that's, that's life. So, 2021. This is not going to be the year where I just remain optimistic and upbeat about everything. Because I'm just going to be myself. Bad things happen to everybody. It's what you find in the in-between spaces when things are surprisingly good. That's what's worth living for. So let me talk to you about something that I find surprisingly good. The Phantom Lake Kids and the Unseen Invasion. See, that was a good segue. I'm rather proud of that. The Unseen Invasion, it's out it's out there for people to see. It has been released. I made it. I continued my one movie a year. Now, 15 years running. One movie a year. And I already have one for this year, so no matter what happens, I got another movie to come out, and that'll be The Phantom Lake Kids and The Beast Walks Among Us. We'll see when and how that comes out. I'm going to say it right now. Given the way things are, I'm holding out hope that we will still be able to release it 
in a movie theater. Maybe this vaccine thing actually takes off. Maybe enough vaccine gets out there and it's super effective that come fall, it's safe again to go do stuff like go to the movies. I don't know. The point is, The Beast Walks Among Us won't be coming out before the fall. So we just got this one on December 23rd. You can watch it on Vimeo. The easiest way to get to it is just go to unseeninvasion.com. It takes you right there. And for the next uh, four days, you can still watch the cool premiere version, which is, yes, a little more expensive, but worth it because you get a whole bunch of extras. And if you've seen it, uh, you know there's like over an hour of cool extras. But that's out there. And that's brand new, so that's out there. So you got a little new Mimiverse stuff to hold you over to keep you going, right? While we wait for The Beast Walks Among Us, which will be coming out this year. Again, it may end up being another digital thing in the fall. Or it may be a live thing. I just, I don't know. I mean, last year we thought maybe we could do it in the fall. And then we thought maybe we could push it to the spring. But let's be honest. I mean, unless a miracle cure shows up or the vaccine is really just that effective and suddenly they find millions and millions of doses of it and everybody takes it and suddenly coronavirus just doesn't exist. Nothing is happening as far as Mimiverse movies are concerned until the fall. So we're talking September, October. Sad news, yes, but it's coming out. It's done. It's ready. It's just a wait. I mean, there's nothing new about that. You always have to wait for at least one a year, right? You always have to wait a year between them. But here's the plus. So The Beast Walks Among Us is done and will be coming out in the fall in one way or another. And then this coming holiday season, 2021, you'll be able to see the cool uh, Mimiverse holiday special, which I'm super excited to announce begins principal photography this coming Saturday. So five, six, seven days from now. Cool, right? So that's happening. And I'm actually starting with the biggest scene. Just get it out of the way, and then everything else after that is kind of gravy, right? It's I would never say easy, because it's never easy to shoot a movie. But the biggest scene, the longest scene, the one with the most people, and the one with the most dialogue and special effects and stuff, we're doing that first. And when I say the most people, I really mean puppets. Because for those of you who aren't aware, the Mimiverse Holiday Special has been in the planning stages for now over a year. And it involves the Steve people. Steve people are coming back, including Steve himself. So there's lots of puppets. And again, members of my family playing main characters, including myself. I play a very cool, very top secret role, which I don't want to reveal to you who that is. But you get a hint of it if you watch the premiere version of The Unseen Invasion. But So yeah, we're working on the holiday special, which you can uh, contribute to. And we would really appreciate it if you would by going to SaintEuphoria.com and looking it up in the movies list, the holiday special. That'll be coming uh, shortly after The Beast Walks Among Us. So this year should have a lot of cool Mimiverse content, and I'm doing other stuff. And you would have learned about this if you follow us on Facebook or you watched the premiere edition of The Unseen Invasion that I'm working on a Mimiverse retro video game called Butch vs. Evil, which is my tribute to the Mega Man series. That's one of my favorite video games of the the past. There's a lot of Super Mario Brothers in there, a little Metroid. So that's a thing that's happening that, God, I hope I can get out this summer. I'm at a point where a lot of the programming's done. Now it's just building and testing uh, levels to make sure that they're the right amount of challenging, but not so challenging as to be obnoxious. 
but it is hard. The game is purposely designed to be hard like those old games. If you like old video games, which I do, they're hard as hell. Like I spent some time over the little uh, the holiday break the last couple weeks. Uh, I took some time to win Super Metroid, the Metroid game for the Super Nintendo. I re-won that for the dozenth time. Still one of the best games ever made. And of course it gave me ideas for my own Metroid-style game, which should come after Butch vs. Evil, that would follow uh, Commander Lambent, Space Explorer. Which, if you don't have any idea what that is about, listen to the old Mimiverse Bonfire podcast, or if you're one of the lucky people who bought one of the mystery boxes from last year, you know what it is. It's perfect for a Metroid-style game. Anyway, that is all on the side. I'm working on that. I've never made a video game and then released it as something you can buy, and I, I will eventually. So I'm learning as I go. You can see footage of it in the uh, Unseen Invasion special features. So it exists, and it's coming along. It's just, I probably did exactly what I always do, which is what I did when I made the Monster Phantom Lake, and I decided to just start with a feature instead of some shorts uh, when I made Monster Phantom Lake. I just decided to make a gigantic game instead of one little one. So... That's me. Let's jump in head first and see what happens. It's coming along. It's fun. The dynamic of it's good. If you like old video games, you like old Nintendo stuff, you're definitely going to like this game, I promise. But again, it's still in development and it, it's slow going. You gotta find glitches. You gotta find... I mean, it's just... It's a lot. So that's happening. And if this is the first you've heard about this, I'm making a video game called Butch vs. Evil, starring the character of Butch from the Phantom Lake Kids. He's the kid with the... Uh, coonskin cap it's a cool game again mega man mario bros that kind of stuff ideally maybe that comes out this year so we'd have a video game we'd have a movie we'd have a special which i think when all is said and done will be about a half hour long you know like an old school charlie brown's christmas kind of special that's what i'm going for so this year should be good for mimiverse stuff and i'm working on a new script for a new project that given the constraints i'm under with the pandemic it's another phantom lake kids movie and if you're not really into the phantom lake kids movies and you're just waiting for me to get back to something more like where skeeto it'll come eventually but right now i'm working with what i have and what i have are a bunch of talented children of mine that are only getting better in each movie so i'm keeping it alive and keeping going and uh, honestly being able to make these movies is is keeping the mimiverse alive so I'm excited. And honestly, it's kind of fun because it sort of out of weird necessity ended up allowing me to make a trilogy. And that was somewhat unexpected and, and, and a first for me. So, you know, it worked out. It really kind of did. And it is what it is. And I really do like the movies. So I'm working on a third Phantom Lake Kids movie. And honestly, it will be the last for a while. I love my kids. I like working with them. But I can't just make movies with my kids. I just can't make Phantom Lake Kids movies. I have other ideas. So I have one more Phantom Lake Kids movie, complete the trilogy, and then I'll hopefully be able to uh, get back into something else coming up, you know, in early 2022. It kind of works out, right? I released The Unseen Invasion, we'll have The Beast Walks Among Us this year, and then the year after we'll have The Phantom Lake Kids in the Day the Earth Abruptly Almost Ended, which is the most ridiculous title, and everybody loves it, so I'm keeping it. It works with the script I'm writing. It's bonkers, and it really delves into some weird stuff, and that's kind of what I was going for, is let's just make something ridiculous. 
Not that the other Phantom Light Kids movies aren't ridiculous, but this one in particular really ramps all that up into bizarro territory half the time, which I'm cool with. I'm just going for funny and silly and stupid. And if you've seen The Unseen Invasion, you can see in it the -the over-the-top Three Stooges, Abbott and Costello kind of vibe I was going for. Also, only really being able to use certain people in certain places, you know, it was a challenge and it was fun to undertake it and complete it and make something that we've got a lot of really great feedback on. So I'm very happy with it, actually, and I'm I'm looking forward to eventually getting the physical media version out. It was a little weird the way we had to do it to make sure I kept doing the movie a year. I had to release it digitally before I had the physical media, which is really backwards for me because I usually would release it all on the same day. I did the premiere, and on that same day, you could buy the DVD or Blu-ray, and then I'd put it on Amazon or whatever. Of which, I gotta be honest, I don't think I'm going to be releasing my movies on Amazon anytime soon. At least not new ones. Amazon has become kind of a... It's become a negative for me. Um, I'm now losing money on physical media there because they charge me so much money that, um, in essence, I send them stuff and they sell it, they make money, and I get nothing. Not that they take it all, but it's like I have to pay like fees every month to be able to list my stuff on Amazon. And, and those fees added on top of the stuff they take out of each sale, it's like For the first time in like 10 years since I started doing that, I've actually lost money with physical media on Amazon, so I think I'm going to stop doing that. Plus, even though it's kind of the only streaming game in town, it's not doing me any favors. Because in December I got a million and a half minutes of streaming time, and when it comes down to it, I'm getting about 200 bucks, which is just ridiculous. I mean, it's... It makes it somewhat unsustainable, and I don't want to be unsustainable. If I'm unsustainable, then it cannot be sustained by its very definition. So Amazon doesn't do me any favors. Roku kind of doesn't either. They recently changed their advertising thing. So I spent the last year building up uh, an install subscriber base in the hopes that I could then sell it to advertisers and fill the advertising slot so I could make a little money on it. Well, they changed all that now, and, and... Now I can't find any advertisers, so I may have to change the Roku channel to a premium subscription, like, I'm thinking like 4 or $5 a month, something really small, but for, you know, the big fans that want to own the entire catalog without having to have the physical media, then maybe I'll do a free one that just, like, has one or two movies on there. I don't know. I really don't know what to do as far as streaming to make money because there's just every time I think I've figured out a way to to do it because you know physical media sales are down they just are people don't want physical media as much as they used to I mean even I don't every time I think I've figured out a way to sort of make up the difference the companies change their rules and and things get messed up and suddenly now I can't do advertise it's annoying I mean it's just constant so it's constantly a struggle so I'm going to get on with this because we have a lot of cool stuff coming up in this this episode, and I just want to get to it. First, the Kansas City Crypt is back this month. Rich is back after a little break for the holidays, and we're very excited to have him back. Dr. Bob has a joke. We have another episode of Atomic Tales. So lots of good stuff, and I just want to get to it because there's no reason this episode needs to be a a two-hour-long 
complaint fest where I talk about how much Amazon sucks. You you know Amazon sucks. I've told you that a million times. They rip off people. The dude who runs it literally, literally makes, uh, I read something that said like $2,800 a second. But you know, the rest of us, eh, $2,000 a month to help you during the down time where everyone's losing their jobs and the world's falling apart. What? Like, Jeff Bezos could just give out stimulus to everybody because you know where we're all going to spend it? At Amazon. <laughs> so, anyway, that's my two cents in the politics of today. Look, it's 2021. 2020's gone. If you made it this far, congratulations. We survived. 2021 could be even worse. Let's be honest. We're all grown up now, right? We're all... We're all seeing the reality. It may suck, but it may be great. I don't know. I'm just not going to pretend like everything's great and positive because that's just not me. I'm going to be me. This is me. I'm kind of a grumpy, crusty dude. That's me. And I'm okay with that. I think you're okay with that too, but I'm just, I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. I'm going to just keep trying to make movies. I'm going to start trying to make video games. I'm going to try and write some books. I just, I want to make stuff, but, and I, I have to let you know this. The only way that happens, if you love the Mimiverse, or even if you like it a lot, maybe you don't want to be in a relationship with it, but you like it. Or maybe you just like hanging out there, but, you know, just, why label it? If you like the Mimiverse, if you like what I do, if you like this weird thing I've created over the years, I'm just going to say it, I need your help. Times are tough. I've taken a pretty huge hit, and we all have. I know that. If you can see it in your heart to contribute, say, to the holiday special, or maybe pick up a collectible. I still have a couple calendars, like two, so maybe grab those while they last, and maybe get them now before it's like March, and then who wants a calendar for 2021? We already missed a few months. I still have a couple holiday ornaments, maybe grab those. There's literally two sitting on my desk, and that's it. Once I sell those, they're gone. Maybe pick those up. If you have it within your means to help out the Mimiverse. Every little bit helps keep us alive. It has been a very rough year. We pulled through. That's, that's something. And I would love to continue. I literally, and I say literally not by the like, literally, I'm not saying it like that. I'm literally saying I have a list of things that I want to do for the Mimiverse. Movie ideas, video game ideas, book ideas, other media ideas, TV show ideas, just, it's a list of cool stuff that I want to bring to you, but I can't make it, I can't do it without your help. You guys are the lifeline of my weird little universe. So if you find it in your heart and you have some money laying around, feel free to buy a DVD and give it to somebody, give it to the library, I don't know. Help out if you can. If you can't, I understand. I have tried my best whenever there's been any extra money in my pocket to give it to the people, the artists I love, that I want to help nurture and keep alive during these difficult times. Because once we're past the difficult times, I want to continue enjoying new stuff. Like, there are artists and bands I like that aren't around anymore, and it just makes me sad that we don't get any new music from them. Or writers or filmmakers or artists that you just gotta be great to get new stuff but i know that some of them just can't do it anymore honestly some of them are just gone or they've retired or they're just 
you know, and that's life, and eventually I'll get to that point, but I'm not ready to give up. So this is my yearly beg, yearly, monthly, every month. If you can, watch The Phantom Lake Kids and the Unseen Invasion. Buy a DVD, buy a Blu-ray, buy some collectibles. Contribute to whatever projects we're working on. And as soon as I finish the script for the new Phantom Lake Kids movie, you'll be able to contribute to that. I figure by the end of the month, I'm hoping I'll have it done. And I don't really want to start taking contributions until I know I have a script and I have something to shoot. If you can, please help us out. If you can't, continue to enjoy it whenever and wherever you can. And honestly, if you don't have money, let me tell you, one of the things that really, really helps us, tell people about it. Share your love of it. Encourage them to watch the movies and check it out. You'd be surprised how many people are like totally confused by this. And then they watch one or two and they're like, I get it. And then they get really deep into it. I have a few super fans that are just like that. They're just like, I don't get this. What is this thing? Why is this important? And then they check it out and they're like, I get it now. And now they're some of the biggest supporters. So just spread the word. Word of mouth has been the one thing that has sustained the Mimiverse since the beginning. So if you can, at a very minimum, just tell a few people about it and, and, and encourage them to check out the movies. They're out there. You know, maybe buy them a copy. I'll sign it. How cool is that? I got a signed DVD. If they don't like the movie, they don't like the movie. But they got a cool collectible. Maybe they can sell it on eBay. I don't know. The point is, anything you can do to help, and one of the biggest things you can do to help, if you can't do it monetarily, and again, I understand, times are freaking tough, but one of the easiest things you can do is just tell people. Share it on social media, wherever you can. Share it with your friends. Tell your friends and family about it. Encourage them just to check it out. That's, more than anything else, what has sustained us for the last 15 years. Word of mouth. Everything we've done has been word of mouth. It's people who know people who share their enjoyment of this goofy little universe. So if you can, share. Okay, now's the time. Let's move into some other fun stuff. Don't forget to watch The Unseen Invasion while you can. There's a lot of cool extra special stuff that we did that's only available on that Vimeo premiere version. So watch it while you can. It may be too late because it's not sticking around forever. But if you can, watch it. It's 10 bucks. Just 10 bucks. And you can watch it as much as you want in a 24-hour period. It's worth it, I promise. It's a good movie. And, and honestly, all the feedback I've gotten has been very positive. So yeah, okay. Let's turn it over to Rich Chamberlain for the first Kansas City Crypt of 2021. Take it away, Mr. Chamberlain. Hello again, everyone. This is Richard, the Monster Movie Kid, and it's time to reopen the Kansas City Crypt. Now, first and foremost, let me kick off this new year of 2021 by wishing all of you a happy new year. I've taken the last few months off, but it's a new year, and it's time to get back to the movies. Well, we may not be in a movie theater, but we can still sit in the comfort of our home and I'll peruse the decades upon decades of classic films. And they're not so classic. Unfortunately, the film I want to talk about this month kind of fits into the not-so-classic, but it is worth mentioning. Invisible Invaders from 1959. Now, of course, the Mimiverse has its latest film, The Unseen Invasion, and so I was kind of thinking, well, you know, Invisible Invasion... 
outer space creatures. I immediately thought of Invisible Invaders. It's a film I saw, I've actually seen it a couple of times over the last maybe 10 or 15 years. It's been a few years since I've seen it, so I wanted to sit down, revisit it, and see how it held up. And how it kind of compares to other invisible invasions. Well, I'll be honest with you. This one's not a classic. But it's not horrible, and it does help that we have a few familiar faces. You've got John Agar. I wouldn't say he's the lead role. In fact, there is nobody who's listed as starring in this movie. When you watch the opening credits, he does get top billing, but he's listed as co-starring, which I thought was kind of odd. He plays the character of Major Bruce J, who gets assigned to a group of scientists after the film kind of gets going. He's not right there in the beginning. You see, there's a plot around an invasion from well, outer space, technically, but really the moon. It turns out that the moon has been inhabited for tens of thousands of years. And while even the previous inhabitants were conquered by this invisible race of aliens who have long since learned the art of invisibility. They conquered the moon and have been watching Earth. And now that Earth is inventing atomic bombs and the ability to shoot rockets into space, they've decided it's time to conquer Earth. Well, they do it in a rather unique way. They're going to conquer Earth by inhabiting the bodies of dead humans. At least that's part of their plan to try to get people to understand that all is lost and well, you can't fight what you can't see. The very first person we see in this movie is a Dr. Carol Neumann, played by John Carradine. Now, I love John Carradine, I do, but let's be honest. When you see John Carradine in a film, nine times out of ten, you know you're dealing with C quality film. Not a B movie, but a C movie at best. There's a, I know, yes, yes, there's the occasional exception, but normally John Carradine put himself in just about everything. And here, well, he doesn't survive the first few moments of the film. His character gets killed off in an explosion. He does pop up later on in the film when he visits a fellow scientist friend of his, Dr. Adam Penner, played by Philip Tong, and uh, says, well, hey, I'm not who you think I am. I'm actually, I'm actually an alien from outer space, and I'm here to warn you, we're going to take over Earth. Well, Dr. Penner seeks the help of his daughter, Phyllis, and her boyfriend of sorts, Dr. John Lamont, played by Robert Hutton, to well, spread the word. Of course, everyone thinks he's crazy. It's soon revealed that he's not, and that's where Major Bruce J comes in. He's assigned to take uh, the Penners and Dr. Lamont to safety as they try to come up with a way to fight the invisible invaders. Now, this movie clocks in at 67 minutes. It's very quick, and uh, you know what? I, it's, it's pretty much a solid film as far as that goes. I don't know what you could have done to edit the film any the script, and what little there was of it, fits a 67-minute film. I guess maybe you could have shaved a few minutes off here and there. But beyond that, it moves along at a pretty good pace. There's no points in the film where I think it, it you know, hits a stumbling block or it slows down. The problem is that they just didn't have a budget. First off, let's be honest, you're dealing with invisible aliens. You know right away the budget is $1.50. 
The invisibility part is basically corrected as sorts when the invisible aliens can inhabit the the bodies of dead humans, which is why we get to see John Carradine pop up a couple of times. And even afterwards, we continue to hear his voice, which doesn't quite make sense. But hey, we'll go with it. Um, the invisibility part actually works okay. I think it could have been done much better and had been done better some nearly 30 years earlier. If you watch Universal's The Invisible Man, they handled invisibility a lot better, but they probably had a bigger budget. Um, stock footage plays a huge part in this film. There is a lot of stock footage. Uh, when the aliens are basically destroying various things around the Earth, yep, stock footage comes into play. And in fact, they even reuse some of their own footage in the film. Some of the the scenes in the uh, in the graveyard where they're encountering uh, Dr. Neumann for the first time, or I guess the second time after Dr. Neumann is revealed to uh, Phyllis Penner and Dr. Lamont, and we know, or at least they discover, that Dr. Penner, Dr. Adam Penner, is not really insane. They were wondering there for a while. So when you start actually using your own footage and make it stock footage, you know you don't have a big budget. And there's really only a couple of, of sets in this movie that get used to great frequency. There's the, uh, the, the home of Dr. Penner, and then there's the, the lab and a lot of stock footage. I mean, there's a few other sets here and there, but pretty, pretty basic stuff. Um, the general thought is this movie was made in probably a week, maybe two weeks tops. Didn't have a big budget. It's not bad, though. It's it's kind of a, a breezy, throwaway film. I've seen a lot worse. I've seen, obviously, a lot better. It's not a bad film. And it's enhanced, I think, by the fact that you've got a well-known cast. You've got John Agar, of course, who doesn't always star in a quality film, but he's always good for, for a good performance. You've got uh, Robert Hutton, who um, well, he was kind of a, a one-time possible big-time Hollywood star, at least for a while. Actually, you know what? The best way to describe it is in the book Keep Watching the Skies, written by Bill Warren. He describes Robert Hutton as having suffered the same calamity that afflicted so many other actors of his generation. When the war was over, the big stars came home, and he just wasn't good enough anymore, and all the parts started to dry up. Here, he plays Dr. Lamont, kind of uh, not the bravest of guys, whereas Major Bruce J. is a little too aggressive. They all kind of mellow out by the end of the film in kind of an odd way. You know what? I enjoyed this. Um, you got some good cast members. And by the way, Philip Tong, if you recognize him, he played Dr. Penner. Yes, he was Mr. Shellhammer in uh, Miracle on 34th Street. So if you just watch that over the holiday season, you might recognize him. I'll admit, I didn't until I did a little bit of research. And then I was like, oh, yeah, it had been about 12 years or so. And he didn't quite have the same delivery that he did in Miracle on 34th Street. But then once I realized it was him, obviously, I, I picked up on it at that point. I think you'll enjoy this movie, and best of all, it is on Amazon Prime. So if you've got Amazon Prime, it's absolutely free. Add it to your watch list, check it out. It's a 67-minute film, like I said. 
pretty easy to kind of just breeze your way through on a Saturday afternoon, you know, on these, I do you call them dog days? I don't think so. And these dark, gloomy days of midwinter, a lot of us are inside, especially during the pandemic, we're watching movies. And this is a, a quick film to, to, you know, crank out in 67 minutes. Plus, as I said, it's a possible good double feature. Watch The Unseen Invasion and then watch Invisible Invaders. Two different films with some similar ideas, but I think it's a good I think it's a good double feature. And as you're watching Invisible Invaders, I think you're immediately going to see the foundation for a few other films. For example, Plan 9 from Outer Space, which I think came out the same year. Interesting if one knew about the other. I'd say chances are probably not. However, nine years later, we had Night of the Living Dead, which also dealt with the dead coming back, but in a very different manner. Still, definitely some similarities between uh, Invisible Invaders in those films. A little more so, Plan 9 from Outer Space, with a slightly bigger budget, which isn't hard to do. Okay, I'm going to close this edition of the Kansas City Crypt. Check out Invisible Invaders. I think you'll enjoy it. And until next time, this is Richard, the Monster Movie Kid. Stay safe and take care, everyone. Thank you, Mr. Chamberlain. Okay, now we have episode three of Atomic Tales. And this one is is a good one. I like this one a lot. So I'm just going to stop talking, and we're going to listen in on the latest edition of Atomic Tales. So here we go. Stephen D. Sullivan and St. Euphoria present... Atomic Tales! Stories of science, mystery, and excitement. This episode features the latest adventure in our fantastic original series, Strange Invaders. Tonight, we continue our adventures and reveal a bit about the start of the invasion in a story we call Bugged by Flying Saucers. Join us now as we present another in our continuing series of Atomic Tales! I didn't get this job because of my dad. The young blonde driving our bureau car remarked out of the blue. I never said you did, I replied. But you thought it, she insisted. Everybody at the agency does, just because my dad's a general. And the liaison to the U.S. Science Bureau, I noted, and immediately regretted doing so out loud. Gloria G.G. Brock turned and glared at me in the back seat. I'm not just a secretarial assistant, Agent One. I have a degree, you know. One day, I'm going to be an agent. I'm sure, I replied. But could you keep your eyes on the road while you drive, please? My chauffeur, come future agent, turned back to driving and laughed. Afraid you'll lose another bureau car? What is it, two now in less than a month? The second one was Agent Sevens, and this one would be on you if you put us in a ditch. But you were there when that second car got destroyed. She continued, ignoring my dig. I nodded. Guilty as charged. It was the bugs again, right? She asked. Gigi had passed all her security clearances, so even though she was a new hand at the Bureau, I felt safe being candid with her. Yeah. She gave an impressed whistle. Giant bugs, who'd have thought? How'd this all start? I mean, I've read the files, but you were there too, right? Yep. 
So tell me about it. If I'm going to be an agent, I need to know what it's like in the field. I could see no polite way to weasel out of this conversation, so I settled into the back seat and resigned myself to filling her in. It would be a long drive to the airport for my rendezvous with Agent 2 anyway. Okay, here's the deal. I have to admit, I wasn't too impressed when Prof Tarragon sent me out to investigate a series of flying saucer reports in the Rockies. People have been seeing unidentified objects in the sky since the Kenneth Arnold sightings back in 47, right? Gigi nodded enthusiastically as she drove. You bet. As with a lot of incidents, I continued, the center of these sightings was pretty remote. But, like any good agent, I quickly made my way via the nearest airport and then picking up a bureau car to the town of Moret, Colorado, population 150. How long have you been seeing these lights, Mr. Jensen? I asked. Oh, a few weeks now, I guess. But call me Tim, stranger. Everybody does. I didn't quite catch your name, Mr. The scrawny middle-aged man flashed me a gap-toothed smile. He was dressed in jeans, work boots, and a red and black flannel shirt, against the chill of the late spring evening. He smelled of tobacco and stale beer. Agent Raymond, I replied. It's bureau policy to give only first names when possible. Luckily, mine can pass for either, avoiding the need to elaborate. FBI? Jensen inquired. Something like that, I said, briefly flashing my science bureau shield. USSB, official government business. He nodded knowingly. I figured some of you government types would want in on this. That's why I called the Air Force. They didn't seem too interested when I called, but... But here I am. So, what made you contact us? Well, it ain't natural, is it? Things buzzing about the sky like that, not making no sound? They ain't airplanes, I can tell you that. Oh? You certain about that? You bet your boots I am. I worked a carrier back in the war, Pacific Theater. Ain't no planes of ours can move like that. None of the Japs, neither. Silent as ghosts they were, and one minute they're flitting about over the trees and between the mountains, and then the next, boom, vanished. Shoot right up into the sky, faster than you can see, I expect. I didn't used to believe in flying saucers, but now... He trailed off, thoughtfully, gazing down from his mountainside cabin into the wooded valley stretching out below. The scent of the pine trees wafted to us on a gentle evening breeze. The sun had set and darkness was closing in. The first stars already blazed brightly in the cerulean sky overhead. So they're saucer-shaped? I asked. Jensen scratched his balding head. Well, not exactly. It's hard to describe. They're big lights and they glow like a yellowish green. Sometimes they flash. Sometimes they just burn bright. How big, would you say? Hard to tell. Up on the mountainside with them so far away, but I'd say maybe five or ten yards across. Maybe more. And like I say, they're moving fast, and there's one now. He pointed down into the wooded valley below, and sure enough, a bright green light flitted over the treetops. It moved erratically, sometimes looping or turning at obtuse angles, sometimes vanishing for a few moments before reappearing somewhere nearby. I told you, Jensen enthused. Silent as ghosts. Ain't no aircraft can move like that. Reluctantly, I had to agree. I had no way to tell how big the thing was, but it was too persistent and moved too strangely to be fireworks or any kind of aircraft I knew. Let's go check it out, I suggested. You know these woods better than I do, Tim. Jensen paled. No thank you, Mr. Agent, sir. I don't want to turn into no mindless alien slave. I seen that They Come From Outer Space movie. You go look if you like, but pardon me if I don't put my neck in the same noose. 
Disagreeing would have been pointless. So with a few grumbled words of thanks, I fetched my flashlight and my pistol from the glove compartment of my Studebaker and hiked downhill toward the phenomenon. As I went, a second weird light joined the first, darting above the treetops in the valley, moving very fast and changing direction frequently. Soon, it and the first light were circling each other before veering off and streaking between the rocky mountainsides. Definitely not swamp gas, I muttered to myself as the slope leveled off. I couldn't help but feel that there was some kind of intelligence behind the movement of those uncanny glows. And then, a third light appeared, and a fourth, joining the others in their weird aerial ballet. I squinted into the gathering darkness, still trying to determine how large the objects were, or what their true shape might be, but to no avail. The circle of illumination from my flashlight played across the bed of pine needles and low scrub ahead of me, but I still missed my footing on the uneven ground. I stumbled, and for a moment the beam careened wildly across the treetops and into the sky as I tried to both keep my footing and hang on to the light's sturdy metal housing. Just as I righted myself, one of the circling lights suddenly broke off from the rest and veered in my direction, its glow flashing brighter as it came. I dropped the flashlight and caught my balance, drew my gun and took aim. Don't make me shoot whatever you are, I called, well aware that the thing might not hear me or even understand English. I ducked as it zipped overhead, a drumbeat buzzing sound droning in my ears. The thing wasn't nearly as large as I'd guessed from a distance, but moving at that speed I figured it could still take my head off. It looped around a tree trunk and came back at me. Halt, or I'll shoot, I warned. It didn't stop. It streaked straight toward me. I fired. Three shots, dead center, just like they teach you in the service. The light seemed to break up. The weird buzzing sputtered and my oddball opponent tilted to the ground. Turned out, it wasn't that big at all. Only a bit larger than a dinner plate. Its glow pulsed as it writhed on the ground, dying. Its six spiky legs flailing. I'll be damned. A firefly. Needless to say, it was a lot bigger than any firefly I'd ever seen before. I felt kind of bad that I'd killed it. I picked up my flashlight from the forest floor and kept the beam aimed at the ground. The rest of the oversized bugs, there were half a dozen of them at the peak of their activity, left me alone. Strangely, the body of the one I'd killed quickly disintegrated, decaying in mere moments into a pool of foul-smelling bug guts and glowing greenish goo. In a moment, even the small remainder disappeared, sinking into the soil or evaporating. It left not a single sample for me to take back to the Bureau, much to the disappointment of the Doc and our other scientists. When I reported to HQ, Professor Tarragon informed me that the insects were harmless pollen eaters and shouldn't be a threat to humans, even at that freakish size. The Bureau sent out Agents 7 and 9 to collect evidence and take pictures, but we were unable to lure the giant fireflies into coming anywhere near us after my initial encounter. Maybe they'd learned it was dangerous to mess with human beings. I gazed out the Studebaker's window, watching the last glow of sunset disappear behind the trees as the car neared the small airfield. That might have been the end of it if the incidents had stopped there. After all, what's a few big fireflies putting on a light show in Colorado every spring? Jensen and the locals in Moret were pretty happy about the bugs, figured they had a new tourist attraction, one they didn't even have to feed or maintain. I shook my head ruefully. How could any of us, even the tarragons or the other big brains in the Bureau, know those fireflies would just be the start? What do you think is going on with all this weird stuff, Agent One? Who knows? 
At first, we thought the bugs were just a natural mutation. Later, Doc Tarragon posited the outlandish growth might be related to atomic radiation. Moret is downwind from a few test sites. But now, giant bugs popping up, UFOs buzzing the skies, reports of unnatural creatures haunting the U.S. Things used to be so normal, my young chauffeur opined. Now it's almost like we're caught in some kind of strange invasion. Yeah, almost, I mused. So, you said that Colorado was only the start. What happened next? When did the Terragons decide there was more to it? When did the Bureau expand and... I thought you said you'd read the files. I did, but hearing you talk about it really makes the whole thing come alive. For a moment, I almost thought she was flirting with me, but I quickly dismissed the idea. She was cute, I'll admit, but she was also barely old enough to vote, and a general's daughter to boot. Whatever happened after that, we'll have to wait for our next ride, I replied with a grin. We're here, and I've got a plane waiting. Keep your nose clean, Agent Brock. I will. She assured me. Don't take any wooden nickels, Agent One. I won't. <laughs> and try not to crash Agent Two's car, she added laughingly. The Bureau's not made out of money, you know. This has been an original story of Strange Invaders, part of our ongoing series of Atomic Tales, brought to you by St. Euphoria Productions. Tonight's episode, Bugged by Flying Saucers, was written by Stephen D. Sullivan. It was produced, edited, and read by Christopher R. Mim and featured Gwen Ruhoff as Gloria Gigi Brock. Be sure to tune in next month for more Atomic Tales. Visit us at www.atomictales.com. Please support the films of Christopher R. Milne by visiting SaintEuphoria.com and the work of Stephen D. Sullivan via his Patreon at PaySteve.com. All elements of this episode are copyright 2021 by their creators and may not be reproduced or reused without permission. Atomic Tales and Strange Invaders are trademarks of Stephen D. Sullivan, all rights reserved. This is the Saint Euphoria Audiocast Network. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for checking out the Memoverse. I hope you had a good holiday season. I hope everything's doing well. I hope you're staying safe and healthy. I hope your family is safe and healthy and your friends. And I hope everything is uh, turning around this year. It's a whole new year. My pessimistic self says, who knows? Could be worse, could be better. I don't know. You don't know. Therein lies the excitement, the uncertainty. So, like I always say, be good. But if you can't do that, be good at it. I'll talk to you again next month. Close it out for us, Dr. Bob. <laughs> it is I, Dr. Bob Tesla, with your Mimiverse Joke of the Month. There were a group of men in an airport who were waiting for their flights. And to pass the time, they were making little games about math. So you had people from all over the world, you know, France, Denmark, Egypt... And they're all just giving each other math problems to do in their heads. But there was this one guy from Ireland who was just cranking out the multiplication by two like you would not believe. They were so surprised. They could give him hard ones. They said, what's 1,367 times two? And he would shoot back immediately 2,734. So finally they said to this man, they said, what is your secret? And the man goes, well... I am from Dublin. 
if you check out our Twitch channel of twitch.tv slash drbobtesla or check it out through our Facebook page, this Friday, January 8th at 10 p.m. Eastern, we will be starting a new micro-series, you might say. We are not bringing back the whole live show or anything like that yet, but we are going to be doing Cliffhanger Theater every Friday night, starting there on the 8th at 10 p.m. We're going to bring you a chapter of an old serial, and we are starting this Friday with The Mysterious Dr. Satan. Don't miss the thrilling first episode of The Mysterious Dr. Satan. Again, The Mysterious Dr. Satan starts this Friday on our Twitch channel. Make sure you tune in for The Mysterious Dr. Satan. Until next month, science!